This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. Well, Pentecost is a difficult, um, it's, I don't want to say difficult, but it's, it's, it's a strange Sunday for many denominations, many mainline denominations, uh, especially those of us that are more liturgical, a little less demonstrative, um, those of us that kind of are a little mellower in worship, um, because Pentecost itself usually has this connotation, this connection with the Pentecostal church. And if you've ever been to a Pentecostal church, they are definitely a little bit more demonstrative than we are. Um, that's not really who I am. I'm a pretty mellow, laid-back person. Uh, I used to joke I grew up Baptist, so Baptists are kind of the same way. And I said, if you ever see me in worship and my hands get to about here, the Spirit's really, really moving for me. Um, Teresa's a little bit more like that than me. But <laughs> but that's just how I, that's how I grew up. Um, but some would argue, um, because of the connection with the Pentecostal movement, that uh, Acts 2... Um, the true sign of the Holy Spirit is the ability to speak in tongues. Um, some would say that it's the only sign, that that's the sign that the Spirit uh, is moving in you. Now, I would disagree, and I think many do, because it, it is a sign, it can be a sign. But 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that there are other gifts as well. It says in verses 4 through 7 that there are different kinds of gifts of service, or there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the problem is, if, if we are a, a denomination or a church that doesn't necessarily subscribe to speaking in tongues as the only or the predominant sign, then how do we know if the Holy Spirit is working and living in and among us? Um, one of those ways, and you've heard me speak about it plenty, is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self and gentleness. Oh my gosh, let's try that again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, these are some of the signs that the Holy Spirit is, is working in you. And, and these are signs that the Spirit is working in you because they will be there even when life's not so great. They will be there even when you're having a tough time. They'll be there even when your kids, your grandkids, your spouse is on your last nerve. You will still have love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things among you. These are signs that the Spirit is working in you. And it's going to grow, too. So you, you might struggle at first, and it may be different. You know, there's just a little bit of peace, and then that peace will go, or that joy will grow. And these are signs that the Spirit is working in you. Um, but I believe that there's more than just these, and I think the Pentecost story tells us more about that than just the ability to speak in tongues. But I believe that this is where uh, the Holy Spirit and, the, and, and not allowing the, the, the source of our power, I think, is where the church has lost a lot of its influence. And we've talked um, time and time again. We, we look around. We see it in our world, how the church is losing its influence, how the church has changed, how attendance is dropping, how we're starting to live in a society that's more and more secular and less and less Christian. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, uh, wrote in Thoughts Upon Methodism back in 1786 – 
He wrote this, I am not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist, either in Europe or America, but I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. And this undoubtedly will be the case unless they hold fast both to the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. Wesley understood the importance of the Holy Spirit and the power that we have in that source. Acts 2, 1 through 4 began today, Claudia read for us, that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I almost brought my leaf blower today, but I didn't. We have our fans on, though. But before Jesus ascended, he promised the disciples that he would send them the Holy Spirit. He told them not to leave the city and to stay together. Now, by the time Pentecost had arrived, between the time that Pentecost arrived and Jesus had left, it was about 10 days. So they had been basically waiting 10 days after Jesus left and nothing had happened. So they, But they had kept gathering together in the upper room. But it just so happened at that time that there were many people in Jerusalem celebrating Shabbat, which is a Jewish holiday. According to Jewish tradition, Pentecost commemorates God's giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai 40 days after the Exodus, with Pentecost meaning 50th day. So the day that the Holy Spirit was sent to the disciples was Pentecost. And it would just so happen that Jerusalem was filled with people from all over, as Claudia just read to us. Jesus also told the disciples that they will be his witnesses to all of those areas that were mentioned. So what better way to start a movement than when the people were in the city from all over, regions all surrounding? Because eventually they are going to go back to their homes and villages sharing what they had seen when they were in Jerusalem. And they heard it in their own language and could go share it to their neighbors and friends. So if the Holy Spirit was so important back then, though, in helping to spread Jesus' message on Pentecost, shouldn't the Holy Spirit still be important today? And if the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost, this means that that same Holy Spirit is still active and available to us to this day. But the problem is, I think we've lost our connection to the Spirit for numerous reasons. I think part of the issue is that we've started relying, we started relying on our own resources. We started relying on our budgets, our buildings, our gifts, our talents. We we started relying on on our pastor or his ability to speak or to lead. We we became event and program dependent. Look at a lot of the bigger churches and they're very dependent on, on big programs and events. We went out on our own and we left the Holy Spirit behind. We started measuring our success by attendance, offerings, and even membership instead of the lives that were being changed by our churches. In a recent message, Pastor Craig Groeschel, um, who, who his church, uh, Life Church out in Oklahoma, I do believe, uh, and they have different out that way, um, they do the Bible app a lot of you have on their phone. I've, I've talked about him before, but he shared a story um, about a trip, him and his wife take a yearly trip around their anniversary. They go off into the mountains 
And he said that each each time they go, they always go into town and they rent bikes. And then they take the bikes and they go ride them around the woods. And uh, Craig's the guy that works out. And he says that, you know, a lot of times I have to be a little careful. He goes, because I'm a little crazy. He goes, so my wife sometimes struggles to keep up. He said, well, this year we rented bikes. And my wife my wife uh, picked out a bike. And it was a little bit more than, than mine was. But he goes, you know, I, I love my wife. So anything for my wife. So he said he, he bought it. And he said the day as the day goes on, he said they're riding. And he said, um, Whereas usually he would have to slow down. He said, he was struggling to keep up. He said, she was wearing me out and I couldn't understand why. He said, I would stop and I'd say, all right, I think we should turn around. She's like, no, let's keep going. And he said, and he goes, I was flabbergasted. He's like, I don't know what was going on. Like she was just possessed. He said, they, they get back into town and they go to turn their bikes in. And then he figured out why her bike cost more money because she'd picked out an electric bicycle. <laughs> He said, so guess what? The next day I paid a little extra money and I got an electric bicycle too. But his illustration is that this is what the Holy Spirit can do for us. It's an additional source of power as we try to live like Jesus. It helps to sanctify us, removing things that don't belong in us. It convicts us of sin and helps to shape us as God would have us. It makes us whole and holy it provides us with guidance and direction. It unifies us as believers. It gives us strength and courage to share God's message with others. But if we take away the Holy Spirit, and I think we have at times, then we're left trying to do these things on our own. But see, here's the catch. The Holy Spirit often accomplishes these things through disruption. If we pray for the Spirit to remove things that don't belong, it might cost us things and maybe even people that we don't want to give up. If we want convicting of sin, we might have to cut loose any number of things that are dragging us down. If we look for guidance, we might be led in a direction away from where we want to go and where we don't want to go. If we desire unity, we might have to love people with whom we don't disagree, or we do disagree. If we ask for courage to share God's message of salvation with others, it might require us to speak up and speak out when we don't want to. Maybe that's why we don't talk about the Holy Spirit so much. Maybe it's because we're afraid of ghosts of the holy kind. So why does it matter? Why, why does the Holy Spirit matter? It matters because without the Holy Spirit, we're not reaching our full potential as people and as churches. Going back to the bicycle story from Groeschel. Imagine without the Holy Spirit, we're pedaling the bike by ourselves. We're going up a mountain, not really quite sure where we're going, full of extra baggage that we don't need with people pedaling in the opposite direction, and both tires are flat. That's an exaggeration. But imagine that. It, without the Spirit leading us, without the Spirit helping us, without the Spirit unifying us, without the Spirit removing baggage and things that doesn't, don't need to be there, not only are we doing extra work, we're doing extra work by ourselves. We were never meant to do this alone. That's why when Jesus left, he told the disciples, I will send my spirit to you to help you. So what do we do about it? How do we get the spirit's help? 
We ask. It's really that simple. I want you to hear these words from Luke 11, 9 through 13. Um, this is what Jesus said. And we often hear this a different way. I want you to listen to the very last line of this verse. Because I think this verse, we often often take it to mean our lives and, and the things that we want and desire or even God's will for us. And there's a part that I think we sometimes overlook. Here's what he said. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This prayer is about us receiving the Holy Spirit. So we should be praying for the Holy Spirit to come and work. But if we're bold enough to pray this prayer, we have to be willing for the disruption that will take place. If we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and guide our churches into the future as we struggle... Are we ready for the people? Are we ready what might be required of of a tradition we might have to let go or somebody we might have to sit next to and worship or giving up what we want and what we desire? Are we ready for this? Pastor and author Joyce Myers said this. She said, we're not like robots. God promises to guide us through the Holy Spirit, but he gives us the freedom to make our own decisions. The Holy Spirit can only lead us as far as we are willing to go. There's no point in praying for the Holy Spirit if all we want is complacency and comfort. There's no point in praying for the Holy Spirit if we just want things to stay like they are. There's no no point in praying for the Holy Spirit if we don't want to have to change. There's no point in praying for the Holy Spirit if we don't really mean it. And we don't really want it. Praying for the Holy Spirit means we are ready for God's will to be done. For God's will to be done in us. For God's will to be done through us. God's will to be done around us. So my question to you is, are you really ready for the disruption of the Holy Spirit? Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you today. We just ask that you would send your spirit to disrupt our complacency. We ask that you would send your spirit into the church here in our country, in America, and that you would wake us up, that you would show us what it is you would have us to do and to be. And that we just ask that you would prepare our hearts and our minds, our hands and our feet, and that we would be ready for what you would call us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.